My life is in your hand, Lord. Anybody's life in his hands? Amen. You know, it has been said that you're in good hands with all state. But I know that to be different. When you have your life in God's hands, you're in good hands. Amen. Let us pray. Dear eternal God, our Father, we come to you this morning, God. We thank you and we praise you, God, for all that you do. We honor you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace that got brought us out here this morning, God. We honor you for who you are, God. We know that you're God all by yourself, Father. So, God, we'll ask that you'll allow me to decrease, that, Lord, you might speak through me, God, that the gospel will be presented clearly and concisely, that it will not be any mistake on how we're to get to the Father, but through the Son, God. We ask this right now in Jesus' name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and thank God. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to the epistle of Romans. Epistle of Romans, the seventh chapter. We're going to read in your hearing verses 14 through 25, the end of the chapter. I'm asking that you read this entire chapter in your own private time. And really, you really should read the entire book of Romans. The book of Romans is a wonderfully written book, perhaps one of the best written uh, literatures that we have uh, in today's time. Uh, it's very well written. Uh, it is dealing with the doctrine of justification through faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll explain that a little bit later on. But beginning at verse number 14, it reads like this, is for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that I do, I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that doeth, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Here's our key verse. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. From this passage of scripture, we like to pin this with this thought. Deliver me from myself. And if I could give you a subtopic, it would be the struggle is real. The struggle is real. All of us in here struggle with sin. If you say you don't, the Bible say you're a liar. That's not me calling you a liar. That's what the Bible says. The book of James said that if you say you have no sin, then you're a liar. All of us struggle with sin. Yes. 
all of us find ourselves in difficult circumstances and situations in this life. And I don't know what your struggle is. You don't know what my struggle is. But understand that we need to be praying one for another because all of us are struggling with something. There's a story of a man that lived in the town of about 3,000 people. This is a town where everyone knew everybody. The man's name was John, and he attended a church, a very wonderful church. He was well-respected in the church. He was highly thought of in the church. He was a Sunday school teacher. He attended Bible study. He was very active in the community. But what people did not know about John is that John had a sin problem that he kept hidden from everyone, at least he thought. This had begun to bother John, began to weigh on him, that he had this problem that he was unable to tell anybody about. And so after hearing a sermon by the pastor about confessing his sins, he broke under the weight of the guilt in which he was feeling. And he went up to the pastor and began to confess to the pastor his sin. John expected to get some rebuke from the pastor because of his sinfulness, because of the perhaps hypocrisy he was showing. But he was quite surprised when the pastor gave him empathy and love and prayed with him, and labored with him. Listen here, there's a lot of people that's in this building today that are struggling just like John struggled. And you're struggling in silence. You're not telling anybody about it. And I get it, I feel it. I feel you on that. Because the Bible tells us that we're to confess our sins one to another. I don't know about that. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the church has become so judgmental. We've become so condescending on people's weaknesses and their sins. And it, 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 it reminds me, it reminds me of a story of three pastors. This is the last story. <laughs> of three pastors that went to a pastor's convention. And they went there that they might be enriched in ministry work. The opening message was telling pastors, you are not alone. You don't have to struggle alone. You need to find you someone who you can confide in that can help you and can strengthen you. And so these three pastors went out to dinner later on that day. And they decided that they would confide in one another. So the first pastor went, he said, listen, I have to confess. I'm having a hard time with pornography. I've been struggling with pornography. It's been very difficult to let this go. The other man stood up, he said, well, I got you beat. I had an extramarital affair with my secretary 20 years ago. This has been eating me up. And I don't know how to deal with it. So the two pastors, after confessing, looked at the third pastor, said, well, aren't you going to tell us what your sin is? He said, I don't think you want to know. He said, because you need to know I have a problem with gossiping. I can't keep nothing to myself. What a surprise it was for them guys. We all struggle with something. We all have our, our, our difficulties. Listen here, Paul writes this, this epistle to the Roman church, the church at Rome. Again, one of the best literary writings that we have is this book of Romans. By a lot of scholars that, will, that have read this, 
It deals with the doctrine of justification, which means that we are saved by our faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing else that you can do to earn God's salvation other than your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul deals with some weighty matters in this book of Romans. He deals with the issue of sin. And we need to understand sin before we can move any further. Because before we can, 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 can get some help with our struggle, the first thing you got to identify is that you are struggling with some things. You, you, see, you, see, you see, sin has always been a burden on all of mankind. All of us have been affected by sin. Both saved and unsaved. The only difference between the saved and the unsaved, the unsaved is not struggling with sin. Because that's just what they do. That's not a problem with them when they sin. But in light of our Christian faith, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our call to live holy, why? Because he is holy. There should be a struggle with sin. Because you're going to always sin. You'll, you'll, you'll never live a sin-free life on this side of heaven. It just can't happen. Why? Because we are in these bodies of sin. And Paul says that in the first verse here. He says, he says for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am what? Carnal, I am fleshly. And if I can vouch for anybody in the New Testament that they are born-again Christian, it is the Apostle Paul. But if you look at the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul always says that I am and I was the chief of sinners. In other words, no one could out the Apostle Paul. But yet God saved him by his matchless grace. In other words, I hear Paul saying, if, if, if Christ could save and change my life, he can, he, can, he can save and change anybody's life. Paul was one that persecuted the church. Paul was a killer of Christians. Paul was a blasphemer. Paul thought he was doing right. But he was really wrong in the eyes of God. And he was good at what he did. That's why I believe Paul was so great as an apostle. Because he was such, great, such a great sinner. And much in the same way with myself. And I'll just speak for myself. I knew how to sin. I knew how to cover my sin. I knew how to come up here in church and smile just like church folk. And you never knew I was sinning. But I knew that I had a problem. And there was years that I struggled in silence all by myself. Didn't know that there was help available to me by way of the Holy Ghost. The, 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 the same Holy Ghost that was convicting my heart was causing this level of frustration on the inside of me. Why can't I get over this stuff? Why can't I get beyond this? Well, the reason being because the struggle is real. And until you come into the reality of it, that, that, that the struggle is real, you'll never get free of this sin nature that we have. Because that, that, that's what this really is. Because once you come to Christ, you have the old nature. Now there's a new nature that comes inside of you. And the Bible declares that they're constantly warring against one another. The flesh wants you to do the things of the flesh. That, that, that's, that's why you can't, you can't stop cussing. That, that's why you can't stop lusting. Because you're giving in to the lust of the flesh. But we also have a spirit of man in the side of us. The Bible tells us that we're to walk in the spirit. That we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Far too many Christians are walking and fulfilling the lust of their flesh. That, that, that's, that's why when, when, when folk upset you, it's easy for you to get, them, get back at them. But the Bible tells that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. That, that, that's why you keep fighting these baseless and useless battles that you're fighting. You see, because when you're walking in the spirit of God, you can stand and see the salvation of the Lord. You can see God deliver you and to, and to rescue you out of circumstances and situations that you couldn't ordinarily get out of it by yourself. That, 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 that's, why, that's why we're so tired all the time. Because we're fighting wars and battles. We ain't got no business fighting. Listen here. In your flesh, you are no match for Satan. You are no match for sin itself. It's not till you realize and get into the spirit that you can win the battles in which you're being waged against you. Because all of us, of fighting spiritual warfare. Listen, listen, you gotta own this thing. Here, here he says, he says, for we know that the law is spiritual. In other words, the law is good. There was nothing wrong with the law. The law was given by Moses. Actually, it was given by God. Moses just delivered the law to them. But God gave them the law. And he gave them the law with a purpose. And it had absolutely nothing to do with their salvation. Because none of them, none of us, can keep the law perfectly. Not, none of us can. And the moment you think that you can, you're operating in pride. You're making a God out of yourself. Because the only one that I knew that could keep the law perfectly was the God-man, and that was Jesus Christ. You're called to be Christ-like. You're not Christ. You can never be Christ. We can never do enough to get God's favor. There's nothing we can do. You can't give enough money to win God's favor. God is not concerned with your money. But what God is concerned about is your soul. That, that's what God, God wants your soul. Because God understands that if he has your soul, then he has total control of you. That's, that's, that's the problem. Because most folk don't want God to have total control. They, 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 they don't know where this ship is going. They, they, they don't know what God's going to ask me to do. If I give you, God, if I give you total control, you may require something out of me I'm not prepared to do. Well, you're absolutely right. You're not prepared to do it. But through the power and the working of the Holy Ghost inside of you, you can do whatever God tells you to do. Did you not know that he is the paraclete, one who has called alongside of you to empower you to do what God has called you to do and he has commanded you to do? It is God that done that. It's God the Holy Spirit. So we, we have that old nature. But you have a spirit nature as well. Perhaps one of the most neglected powers in, that we have is that spirit nature. God gave it to us. We have the spirit of Christ living inside of us. But Paul, in this text, begins to talk about the difficulties that he's having in his flesh. The dilemma number one is that, is this Paul's life prior to salvation or after his conversion? Well, Paul uses the personal pronouns, I, me, and my, which gives us the indication that Paul is talking about a current and present situation. As a matter of fact, the word here, deliver in the Greek, is both past, present, and future. It is the same way with our salvation. Our salvation is past, present, and future. I have been saved. I've been saved. Justification. 
I am being saved, my sanctification, and I shall be saved, my glorification. But all of it took place in the past at Calvary. I'm just reaping the benefit of it right now as I'm walking this life out in Christ Jesus and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then there's going to be a day when I close my eyes for the last time. When my heart stops beating and the breath of life goes out of me, I'm still going to be saved with God for eternity. I, I got a resting place. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but I have a, a resting place with God. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 15 expresses the inner conflict experienced by the Apostle Paul regarding this struggle with sin. Here, here, here's what Paul says in Galatians 5 and 17. He says, for the fleshly desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that, they, that you are now to know to do whatever you want to do. Let me read that again. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So, so, so here we, Paul is talking about the two natures that are in constant conflict with one another. My question to you is which one are you obeying? Which, 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 which one are you submitting yourself to? And that's why I've always told you to you know, really examine yourself. Take a look at yourself. Take an honest assessment of your life. Because it's the best thing that you can do. Here's what I'm talking about. You might as well just put all pretenses down and be honest with God and yourself. Because you cannot lie to God. You see, you see, you see, when I come into the presence of God, I, I, I'm just honest with God. If I don't like something, God, God I don't like that. God, God, I don't think that's right. And God will show me with no uncertain terms his direction and his will for my life during that situation. I'm honest with God. God, I'm struggling today. God, Lord, 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 I'm struggling with forgiving folk today, God. I got somebody that, 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 that has wronged me, God. I'm, I'm struggling with forgiving this individual. I got a problem with this, God. Just be honest with him. Because God knows that you're struggling with it. You see, because it's in the struggle that your character is being built. It's in the struggle where your faith is being increased. You see, because in order for us to continue to go forward in Christ Jesus and we're struggling, it takes some endurance. Endurance is necessary in running this race in which we're in. So therefore, the struggle is real. Struggle is necessary. It's no, it's, no different. it's no different than the birth of a butterfly. Butterfly starts off as a cocoon, as a, as a caterpillar. Well, actually, it starts off, but it's in this cocoon, and it's protected by this thick casing that it has to fight through. It has to struggle. As a matter of fact, if you, if you assist the butterfly, if you go and open the cocoon up for them, for them to get out, they'll die soon because they have not struggled enough. They have not strengthened their wings enough to be able to take flight and fly. And that's all God wants you to do. He wants you to struggle, that you might be able to struggle through some things, that you might be able to build your faith, that so sooner or later you might be able to take wings and fly. You see, because when you take wings and fly, you see things from a different perspective. As long as you're down there in the caterpillar stage, 
You're down there with the, with the other insects and the rodents. You might get eaten by a prey. But once you go through the struggle of life, once you struggle and you get through some stuff, God will elevate you and take you to new heights that you might be able to soar and see things from a different perspective. Takes away a lot of your enemies. You view your enemies differently then. You're not always trying to fight against your enemies. You see them differently. Because what you realize is that your enemies now become God's enemies. Because you belong to God now. So the struggle is necessary. It comes down to our desires in life, our ambitions in life. We struggle with, should I take this job? Should I move on to that job? Where do I need to live at? What community should I live in? How, how am I to operate in ministry work? Some of us ain't doing anything. So it ain't really a struggle for you. But when you really love God, when you really have a heart for God, when, when, when God is really moving and convicting your heart to get up and do some things that perhaps you don't want to do, that's where the struggle comes in at. That, that, that's where your faith needs to kick in at. That, that's where you, you need to stop thinking with this carnal mind, as Paul says here. Thinking carnal minded will get you nowhere but carnally. But when you think with the mind of Christ, when you, when you let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, when, when, when you have the mind of Christ and you do the will of Christ, it is then and only then that God can bless you and God can use you for his glory. I, listen, I, I found one of, the, one of the greatest times that I'm always complaining is when I'm in my flesh. When, when, when I want some things and it just don't seem like it's happening. When, when, when you look around you and you see other folk being blessed, but yet still you still seem to have some type of lack. When, when, when you see people basking in the goodness that this world has to offer, but you surrender yourself to God. You're giving to other people. You're pouring into other people. That's where the struggle comes in at. The scripture says, don't get weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. In other words, don't give up on the struggle. Don't give up on the struggle. Why? Because deliverance is coming. Deliverance in the Bible, in the Greek, actually means to rescue one or to bring one to yourself. So whenever God delivers us from anything, he's actually bringing us closer to him. He's bringing us into his presence. He's bringing us into a relationship with him. And even in, listen, even in salvation, so even in salvation, you, there's some stuff you still need to be delivered from. The, 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 the number one thing that we need to be delivered from the, is the, we need to be delivered from a wrong way of thinking. We're thinking wrong. We want things now. God, I don't want to wait on anything. I want it right now. God comes to change the way we think. We, we, we need to be delivered from the fleshly lust that we have. I know you don't want to say it because we always want to associate lust with sex, and that's not always the case. Because, because lust is closely affiliated with coveting. It's when you want something that don't belong to you. There's far too many people who have jealous spirits right here in the church. 
They don't want to see anybody get blessed with nothing that they don't have themselves. You begin to ask the question, well, God, what's wrong with me? How come I couldn't have that? And what you don't realize that, that God got something that's specifically for you. What they have don't match you. But God has something especially for you. If you would just wait on him. If you would just trust him. If you would just believe what he has for you. God is able. Because that's what he desires to do. He desires to meet you right in the midst of your struggle. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, it may be health. It may be in your finances. It might be in your relationships. All of us are struggling somewhere. And so we need to understand that God wants to meet us, that he might deliver us. Look at, look, look at Apostle Paul's. He had struggled so to where he considered himself to be wretched. In verse number 24, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Now, here it is. Like I said, Apostle Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament epistles, considered himself after conversion to be a wretched man. Why? Because Paul had begun to look at what he was doing in his flesh and what the law of his mind was telling him. In other words, he had the right mind frame, but it had not got to his flesh yet. He was still struggling with some sins. He was still suffering with some issues, even to the point to where he said, that it's no longer I that sin, it's the sin that lives within me. And all of us have sin that is living within us. That goes without saying. Whether you express it or not, there is sin that's there. And you'll never get help in this situation until you admit it and say, God, I've got, I got this sin. I got this imperfection in me, God. I, I got some stuff you need to remove out of me, God. I've been trying to do it for some years now. And God, I have not been able to do it. But God, I trust and I believe that you can do it. Stop tr trusting in oneself. Put your faith in an almighty God. But here's, 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 here's the blessing in this. He, said, he says, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? Here Paul understands that there is someone who could deliver him from this body of sin and death. It, it, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's God the Holy Spirit that controls us as believers. And Paul really picks it up because, because beginning in the, in, the, in the first uh, verse in chapter number 8, he said, there, uh, there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So, so here's what I want you to understand is that even though you have this sin that you're struggling with. Now, now let's say, if you're not struggling with sin, then this is not for you. If you just giving in to sin, there's a whole nother message for you. No, really, there's a whole different message for you. You know, listen, this is for folk who are struggling with their sin, who are honestly realizing that, hey, listen, I feel like I'm powerless against the thing, but I'm going to keep on fighting. There ain't no giving up in me. There's no quitting me. Far too many people have just given in to sin. And understand this, that before God will allow you to be an embarrassment to him, he'll take you out of here. He'll take you out of here. Keep on struggling because there is deliverance from your sin. Let me help you out. There are some things that you can do to help you get out of this sin that you're in, how to deal with it. 
the first thing you need to do is you need to pray. Pray needs to be something that's constant in your life. You need to be honestly going before the Lord in prayer. Because when you pray, you unleash the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Even when you don't feel like you can do it, it's something about praying to God, an almighty God, that will release the power of the Holy Spirit to at least get you to change the way you think, change the way you feel about situations. See, 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 because repentance is a big part of this thing. It's turning and changing the way I think about it, changing how I view things, changing how I view life. And the second thing is that you need to get in God's word. You see, because you cannot fight against something that you have, no, not, you have not been equipped to fight with. When, 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 when Satan came to Jesus after his baptism, Jesus, and he tempted Jesus, Jesus came back with the word of God. And much in the same way, when we confronted with this sin in our lives, we need to come back with the word of God. God, what does your word say concerning this? And God, I want to be ruled by your word. Not just hearing your word, but God actually doing your word. That's what it takes. That's what it takes for all of us. God wants to deliver you. God will deliver you. But you have to align yourself with God. You got to want to be delivered. You got to want to be set free. The reality of it is, is that we still want our own way but we want God too. And God says that I am a jealous God. I won't share my glory with anybody. I'm a jealous God, including yourself. So we submit ourselves unto God. We have been delivered from the power of sin. And right now we're being delivered from the practice of sin. Eventually, we'll be delivered from the very presence of sin. But while we struggle right here and right now, we know that it's necessary. We thank God because Jesus showed us how to struggle and how to struggle in the right way. Understand that everything in Jesus' life did not go right. As a matter of fact, there was more things that went wrong in Jesus' life than went right according to our human flesh. Look at Jesus. Here it is. He had disciples that he had had with him for three years. Every meal that they had came from his hand. Every message that they heard came from his lips. Every provision that they need came from his resources. But yet, when they came and they arrested him, all of them abandoned him. As a matter of fact, one of them betrayed him. This friend of his, this disciple of his, betrayed Jesus Christ. But you never see Jesus complaining. You never see Jesus saying, why me? Jesus endured, and he went all the way to Calvary's cross. Why? Because he had a plan in place for us. And that plan was Calvary's cross. Jesus knew what was standing before him. And he willingly, listen, he willingly went to Calvary's cross. No one forced him. He went. He could have called down a legion of angels to defend him, but he didn't. He willingly surrendered his life. He willingly gave his life for our sin. He surrendered as they nailed him in his hands. They nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. They pierced him in his side. On that cross, he suffered blood for your sin and for mine. In the process of all of this, God took every last one of those sins that you're struggling with now, every sin that you will commit in the future, God took all of that sin and he poured it out on Jesus Christ so that you would not have to bear the weight of that sin. He did it for you. He gave up his life. And he died upon that cross, the death that you and I should have taken, he took for us on our behalf. It was him that did that for us. 
There's no way that we would have done it for each other. So Jesus had to come down and do it. He was the only one that could do it. No one else could accomplish this. It had to be coming at the hands of the Son of God. Yes, he died upon the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And he stayed there for three days and three nights. And he rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. That's what he did for us. That, 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 that same power he's given to us, the same authority he's given to us that we might be able to live the life in which we've been called to. He sits at the right hand side of the Father and he's praying, making intercessions for us because he realized that he's coming back again. My question, will you be ready? Will you, will you be ready? Are you, are you still struggling with sin? God's come to deliver you. And he's going to deliver all of us from the presence of sin when he comes back and raptures his church. We'll forever be at his right hand. Ruling the world. For he said, if you suffer with me, you also reign with me. Are you suffering for Jesus? Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Is there one? The gospel message is for everyone. It is inclusive. At one time, the Jews thought that they were the only ones that was privileged to God. But Jesus' death upon the cross opened up for everyone. He's willing. All it takes is one step of faith. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You give me the water. Amen. 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 The gospel has been preached. This message was birthed out of my own personal struggle with living a life of holiness. You know, it doesn't matter how much I do for the glory of God. It seems like I'm always compelled to do more. And sometimes we can get lost in that. Hear what I'm saying. There comes a time that you need to take some time and rest in God. God has a rest for you. You keep struggling. You're tired. I was there. I did not know where my next strength was going to come from. I was in God's face every day asking for his help. But God said, listen, come to me, my child, and just rest in me. And he whispered these ways, he said, I've never let you down before. I've always had you. And that's all I come to tell you this morning, that, that God's got you. If you're in Christ Jesus, if you're in his hand, God has you. Yes, you're struggling. Now come in and rest. Come in and surrender to him. He's able to give you the rest. 
For Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he's the Lord of rest. By faith. Get somewhere and sit down. And rest in God. And that's going to be the last time y'all going to hear me say that too. <laughs> but everybody needs rest every now and again. We all need rest every now and again. And so rest in God. Amen? Amen. All right, stand to your feet. Those who desire prayer, please, please come down to the throne of grace. Let's go before the Lord. Dear eternal God, our Father, we come to you. God, we thank you and we praise you, God, for your matchless grace, God. Lord, how could we pray, pay for the grace in which you've given us? There's absolutely no way, Father. God, we're asking right now that, God, you will look upon our hearts that, Lord, you'll forgive our sins. That you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness, God. And we know, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we struggle with the, the sins that are in our lives, God. You told us that we could bring them to you. And that we could confess them. And you said in your word that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, God. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for your forgiveness. We thank you, God, for your love and your compassion that you give us. We thank you for your mercy, God. For where will we be without your mercy? We delight in the fact that we wake up to new mercies every day, God. God, I know that I need your mercy, God. And so, God, I come standing before these, your people, God. That, Lord, you would touch them, Father, in the midst of their struggles, God. And that, Lord, you would deliver them from themselves, God. That, Lord, you'll deliver them from the guilt and the shame, God. You'll deliver them, Heavenly Father, Lord, from the sin and the weight that easily beset them, Father. I'm praying right now, God, that your blood would cover us. That your blood would cleanse us, God. That your blood will empower us, God. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because we realize, Heavenly Father, Lord, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, God. So, God, it's in your blood. We're asking right now, God, because you told us that we could, Father. So, God, cover us. Shield us, Heavenly Father, Lord. Protect us from our own way of thinking. Protect us from overthinking, God. Give us that rest, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you come to offer us. Let us just bask in your glory, God. Appreciate your majesty, Lord. God, let us always come into your presence, God, with song, 
with hymns, with melodies, God. Let us just spend some time with you, God, this week. Let us wake up, Heavenly Father, Lord, with you on our minds, God. I pray that we'll meditate, that we'll spend time listening to what you're saying to us. Pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we'll spend that time seeing what your word has to tell us, Father. Now, Father, bless us as we depart. Bless those, Heavenly Father, Lord, who are on the sick and the shut-in list, Father. We're asking, I know that we prayed for them once, God, but we continue to lift them up before you, God. Those, Heavenly Father, Lord, have been out of service for quite some time, God. We're praying right now, God, that, Lord, you would heal them and bring them back in, Father. God, we're praying for our live stream audience, Heavenly Father, Lord. Wherever they may be, God, we ask that you'll touch them, God. That, yes, you'll even heal them, Heavenly Father, Lord. That, God, you'll bring them out, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we might be able to corporately worship you in spirit and in truth, God. Lord, we honor you as we depart out of this place of worship to a place to serve outside of these four walls, God. Give us a servant's mentality. Give us a servant's mindset. God, give us a servant's heart, God, that we might witness to those who are without, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we might carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to them who need to hear it, Father. Touch now when we shall be blessed, God. We'll bless somebody else, God. We honor you today. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit may it rest, rule, and abide with us now, hence, and forevermore. Let every heart sing. Amen. God bless.